0: This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Wapwollopin, Faith, Stairville, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Wapwollopin. We hope to see you soon. Well, our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 verses 19 and 20 it says therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of jesus by a new and living way open for us through the through the curtain that is his body the word of god for the people of god, be to god. well um A few months ago, I saw a video from Trevor Noah. Does anybody know who Trevor Noah is? He's the host of The Daily Show. And he is originally from South Africa. And he said that, uh, he's telling the story that during his visit back home, I think his show is shot in, I don't know if he's in New York or he might be out in California, but um, he was taking a trip back home uh, to South Africa to visit and said that while he was there, his friend called him up and said, hey, what you doing? And uh, he's like, nothing. And he goes, the president wants to meet you. To which he said, he replied, well, which president? And his friend said, the president. So the president of South Africa. And so Noah goes on to tell the story of getting to meet the South African president, President Cyril Ramaphosa, and taking two friends along. <clears throat> and as he tells the story, Noah said that he picked up two of his friends, but in the heat of the moment, didn't think to tell them where they were going. So one of his friends, um, one of his friends, ended up wearing a hooded, a hooded sweatshirt. And when they arrived, arrived, uh, he, he apologized to the president and said, "I didn't know I was going to be meeting the president today. That's why I'm dressed like this." To which the president replied, "Well, I didn't know I was going to be meeting you guys, which is why I am dressed like this." Um, but I've never—has anybody ever met somebody really famous here? Have you ever met somebody famous? Who was it? Uh oh. <laughs> I can't remember his name. That's right. Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin. Oh, wow. Jamie Farr. Jamie Farr? Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Whoa. 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 <laughs> Meg's behave. Um Well I've never I've never really met somebody, been summoned to anybody famous though. Like meeting somebody, I've never been summoned like so-and-so wants to see you. But um, I did have the chance a couple years ago, um, I'm a comic book nerd, I like sci-fi, I like comic books. If you've seen my, those of you that have seen my phone case, it's Captain America. Um, but I had the chance to go to the Comic-Con down in Philadelphia, and I met Adam Tudick and Jewel State from the old TV show Firefly, which was on for a season and canceled. Some of you are probably like, what? Um, they've been in other stuff since then, but they were two of my people. And I actually got to meet them, but I, I, I paid to meet them, so it's a little different than that because it was a meet-and-greet. But I do have a funny story is that um, I didn't realize it, but I, I, have, I have a crush on Jewel State. Um, and when we walked into the meet-and-greet, my wife was with me, and apparently I pushed by her so that I could stand next to <laughs> Jewel State. <laughs> and my wife noticed um, and actually said to Alan Tudyk, who's the other person said to him, said, did you see that? And he's like, yeah, I saw that. So I was in the doghouse for a, a little while, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes we do have, we have stories about meeting someone famous or, or somebody important. Um, but the thing is just meeting someone famous, whether it's an athlete or a celebrity or a political figure, is that just in meeting them, we still really don't know them. Now, we might know about them. Like, we have some knowledge of them. We know a little more about Bill Clinton than we probably really want to know about Bill Clinton. Um, but we, we know about them. And, but it's different than, than knowing them and knowing about them. And even if we know somebody's life details, if we, we follow them on social media, or we hear about them on the news, or read about them, or or we own some of their memorabilia, we still really don't know them you'll hear rumors you hear stories oh he's kind of a jerk oh my gosh he's the nicest guy we hear that kind of stuff um going back to our scripture today before uh, jesus came to earth the relationship that the jewish people had to god was through someone else any of our information that we have usually with somebody that's famous is through somebody else but when jesus came or before jesus came the jew jewish people Everything, their relationship with God was through the high priest. It was through, through somebody else. And they had prayers and rituals to follow. But their relationship was much different for them than it is for us today. And as we read from our scripture, in the temple was a veil or a curtain. So to give you a little image, imagine imagine if this back here was the Holy of Holies. We had this veil across here, okay, where, where God hung out back here. And you couldn't go there. So this, imagine that for our story this morning. A little uh, visual aid. And in there was the Holy of Holies, and it was separated by this veil. And it hid a holy God who, who dwelt above the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. And it protected, it was sort of shielded God from the sinful, from sinful people, all you all. <laughs> but it protect, protected God from the sinful people. That was kind of the idea behind it. And the veil was one of the most ornate objects in the tabernacle. It was woven from fine linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Um, like skilled craftsmen embroidered figures on it of cherubim and uh, angelic wings to protect the throne of God. Golden statues of two-winged cherubim also knelt on the cover of the ark. And throughout the Bible, cherubim were the only living beings God allowed the Israelites to make images of. So there was also four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold and with silver bases supporting the veil. And it hung by gold hooks and clasps along The top, go home and look it up, by the way. It's it's really interesting to see. But what would happen is once a year on the Day of Atonement, which is around the beginning of October, the high priest parted the veil and entered the Holy of Holies and into the presence of God. Sin is such a serious matter that if all preparations were not carried out to the letter, ritual cleansing, cleansings and such, it was believed that the high priest might die. And it was so believed that that they would actually tie a rope around his foot with a bell, and if the bell stopped ringing, they would pull him out, afraid that he had dropped dead in the presence of God. This is what they believed. Now, for us as Christians, it's kind of weird to think of a place, you know, where God dwells. And it used to be when I was growing up, you know, you couldn't wear a hat in the sanctuary, and the sanctuary was a holy place. Um, you know, this is—you've heard it said this is God's house. And, but then, as we've we've grown as Christians, we start to realize that, you know. God isn't really confined to a building. But for us, so for us, it's it's weird to have this idea, of like, just to go to a place and God hangs out there. You know, it's like, it's God's man cave or whatever. I don't know. Um, but Christians, because Christians believe that God came to earth through Jesus. But something symbolic happened during the crucifixion that relates back to the temple and this veil. In Matthew 27, we read that during the crucifixion of Jesus that when he cried out and gave up his spirit on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn. We all know this. I think it was, in the ten- was it, it was in one of the movies too. So all of a sudden this barrier that separated us sinful people from God was torn in half. Hebrews 10, 19 through 20, I, I just read that, but I wanna read it from the message. This is what it says is now possible for us because of what happened to Jesus on the cross. So, friends, we now, without hesitation, walk right up to God in the quote unquote holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. The veil, the curtain, what is now between us and God is Jesus. But unlike the veil, of the temple, Jesus doesn't keep us away from God. Instead, Jesus is inviting us into God's presence. He invites us into a relationship with him and with God. And we have this invitation to come to God through Jesus. But a lot of times we don't take it. And and people in our world are increasingly not taking it. We're choosing to keep our distance. Jesus is there inviting us in, but we ignore the invitation. And sometimes we have excuses of why we don't accept this invitation but the biggest reason that i've seen is people just we don't feel worthy to enter his presence i mean we have this idea with the the priest i wouldn't want to go into the presence of god and and i would be afraid wouldn't you be afraid to drop dead but that's not an issue for us anymore a lot of times people i think today stay away from god's presence because they feel unworthy or or they feel they're too broken they're too unclean and dirty or sinful or damaged they feel like they, they have to clean themselves up or get themselves right before they accept Jesus' invitation. Remember Ed from last week. I talked about him in a sermon how Ed said, I'll come back to church, but I've got to get some stuff straight first. But what happens when we try to make ourselves clean or worthy or spotless or blameless is that we fail on our own. There is nothing that I can do that's going to make myself worthy to approach God. Through Jesus' death on the cross and our faith in him, that is how we are made worthy. The words we read in, in this week's study was, there were two words that the, uh, Max Licata used. He said, whole and holy. And I really like the thought of that. It's, it's the idea of being able to stand before God complete. Remember the old Jerry Maguire movie? What does he say? Yeah. You complete me. Remember that? You complete me. And, and I mentioned this in the Bible study this week. How many people do you know that if they're on social media or you talk to them and you haven't seen them in a while, they go from person to person or job to job or, or something to something because it completes them? We feel like if I don't have that new car or that new house or if I don't have that person in my life, I'm not complete because they complete me. And we hear this all the time. But the only way that we can be complete is through what Christ gives us. And the other thing that we hear is, is people talking about being holy. And we, we talk about you know, holier than thou when we use that word. The only way that we can be holy is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be whole and holy is through the blood of Jesus. But to do that means we have to accept his invitation to come into his presence, to, to enter in that relationship with him. One of the things I think we often struggle with is, is what does it mean to, to be in a relationship with Jesus? I think sometimes we claim to believe, but then we doubt where we stand. I don't know about you, but we have doubts. Well, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not worthy enough. Maybe I'm not something enough. We get confused about what it means to really follow Jesus. And, and I think the part of the issue is we overthink it. I grew up, I grew up in, in a tradition that was a pretty, pretty guilt-laden. And some of you all probably did, too, where you feel like any little misstep and God's going to sort of like kick you out. You know what I mean? And, and that's how I, I grew up feeling that. We're not expected to be these perfect Christian robots. I don't think that God expects us to look and act and be a certain way. I mean, there are certain things that we're supposed to do, but I think it's, it's a little bit easier than we make it out to be. I want to read from the Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 from the message of what the Apostle Paul tells us us we should do. And this is amazing the way he writes this. So please listen. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. in you. Isn't that a great translation of that passage? With God helping us, though. That's how he starts. With God helping us. And this is the part that I think a lot of us miss, is that God invites us to come to him through Jesus, and that if we enter in that relationship, God will help us in the day-to-day. In his book that we are reading for Lent, Lucado says that he believes that without even realizing it, we live, live as if, God is in the holy places, but God is not in every place. That God was at work at that time, but God is not at work in our time. That God is present over there, but God is not present right here. God could show up then, but God can't show up now. That God is present in sacred things, but not in secular things. I think too often we compartmentalize God. We, we fit him in this nice little box and we, we kind of open up and let God out at the appropriate time. But then there's other things that we do in our lives that we definitely don't want God to be involved in that. So we kind of keep him off to the side. We invite him into parts of our lives, but not every part of our lives. We invite him into the holy, but we don't invite him into the ordinary. What would your life look like if you invited God into the ordinary? into the boring stuff, your daily routines? What would happen if you included him in your schedule? Better yet, how would it look if you actually built your schedule around your relationship with God? Instead of trying to squeeze God into the spaces you have, what if you squeezed everything in it to your relationship with God? I shared this in the Bible study a couple weeks ago that in biblical times, if someone was a disciple of a rabbi, they followed them everywhere. Down these dirty, dusty roads, everywhere they went, they would sit at their feet and they would steady. So because of these dusty roads and the conditions they were in, the rabbis would usually kick up dust while walking. Those of you that have driven down gravel roads, you see the amount of dust that gets kicked up. Well, since the disciples were following their rabbi so closely, it became symbolic that a disciple should be covered in the dust of their rabbi. So that following them wherever they went. So the question for us this morning is, whose dust are we covered with? If we're inviting God into our lives and we're following Jesus, it should be his. We should look like him. We, he should be rubbing off on us, I guess, if you will. But what about when, as Romans 12 said, we become so well adjusted to our culture that we fit right in? What does that look like, that if we're covered in the dust of the world instead of the dust of Jesus? For many people, I think it's the love of the world that is that veil that keeps us from God. We're afraid of what might happen if we were to allow God into every part of our lives. How would God affect my career, my hobbies, my my family, my friends, my finances? I'm amazed. I wonder how many people are struggling this morning because their church is canceled and that's the only place they meet God during the week. Did you ever think about that? That they think that that you, you have to come to church to meet God instead of realizing that God could come to you. And I think what happens is that our fear of what we might lose or have to give up causes us to compartmentalize God and only allow him into the certain parts of our lives. And as I said, then we only meet him at the holy places like church. And then we close the box up, go home, and then open the box again and we walk back in the doors of the building. But I think what we're missing is what we gain when we accept Jesus' invitation to enter into a relationship with him. When we, we allow him to help us through every aspect and every part of our lives. Imagine right now with all of this stuff that's going on with this virus, if we were in a relationship and, and really like as our society allowed Jesus to influence and our faith to influence. Instead of people worrying about stocking up for themselves, they'd be looking for ways to help their neighbor. Instead of people being, being angry and hateful, they'd be looking for ways to make society better and to make a difference. So this morning, my encouragement is, again, whose dust are you covered in? May we open up our lives and let God into every single part of the things that we do, even the ordinary stuff. And I'm going to close with Romans again. I want to read that one more time. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Let us pray. Dear God, we just thank you for the chance to be here today. We thank you for Jesus coming and, and making a way for us to enter in to your presence. May we not take that for granted. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.